Hello and welcome to the Sensi Lab Creative AI Podcast, Episode Nine. Wow, we're at nine episodes already. Anyway, my name's uh, John McCormick. I'm the director of Sensi Lab, and joining me at the console today, physicist and PhD researcher Nina Ratchett. Hello, Nina. Hey, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And uh, Sensi Lab app developer and deep learning expert Dilpreet Singh. How are you, Dilpreet? Hey, good. Hmm. All right. So this week we're going to ask a question: How good? is AI. That's our topic this week. And we're using the word good in two different but related senses. Good as in the quality of the AI. So like how good is the AI at doing the job that it was programmed for or set out to do? So we're looking at the methods and techniques and so on. And the second sense that we're using the word is in how good is AI in terms of being good for humanity or good for people who are using the algorithm. So we'll, we'll try and weave those two things together as we go. But just to be a little bit topical, this week we saw another blow to human superiority when news came in that an AI had beat a group of human poker players. So there was a research collaboration between Carnegie Mellon University and Facebook, and they created a artificial Texas Hold'em poker player called Libertus. And... What do we know about this? So one against, uh, was it four of the world's top to- poker players in a three-week challenge at a Pittsburgh casino? What do we know about this, Dilpreet? So on the technical side of things, we know that it is AI, but not in sort of maybe the traditional sense that we know AI as. So it's not reinforcement learning. Mm-hmm. It is kind of like it. So it's based on a technique called CFR, which stands for Counterfactual Regret Minimization it just sounds cool. Sounds like how I'd like to live my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could, it could help. It could help. Okay. So it's a self-play algorithm, just like reinforcement learning, where the, the agent sort of tries a task continuously and sort of learns from its mistakes. So it is purely playing against itself. It's not learning from anything else, at least as it starts off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in this case, um, there were some experts helping the algorithm out so the setup, as as I know it, they weren't allowed to look at each other. Is that correct? So I think that's right. Yeah, it wasn't. They couldn't use sort of tells or, you know, cues from the human players mm. as to whether they were bluffing or not. It's like online poker. Yes, I yes. think I think more or less it's like online poker. Okay. Mm. So it was, it was purely skill and not reading. Um, so you're kind of playing on probabilities, more or less, right? Mm. Less the emotion of the. The other person and their mm. and what they might have. Well, that's the thing that's always sort of challenged researchers in AI with poker is that it's not just purely a game of chance mm. like some other gambling games are. That there's statistical ways that you can maximise your chances of winning, but they they become quite difficult, particularly when you have multiplayers rather than just one to one. Yeah. Are there any games left for AI to dominate? So like chess, goodbye. Checkers, goodbye. Go. go, goodbye. Goodbye. Pokemon Go, goodbye. Pokemon Go. Did, did oh, was that? it Pokemon Go? No, no, no. no. Um, I don't Mario know. Kart. Super Smash Most Brothers? Like, I don't know. But, well, Dota 2, <laughs> oh, OpenAI, yeah. is, is, is making a lot of headroom in sort of yeah. that aspect as well. Yeah. Goodbye. What's, uh, there's no games left, really, for, for a young AI researcher who wants to make <laughs> their mark in the world. What game can they choo- choose to destroy the best human player? Maybe they should, maybe we should start Twister? training on like... Twister. Twister. Tetris. A Tetris would be Tetris easy. Tetris would be too easy. <laughs> what about like GTA? Let's just let, GTA. The, let the AI roam around mm. and see what, it, see what it does. Do you really think if GTA has been sort of the pinnacle of 
You know, like when That's you think of chess, it's a very cerebral game with your, you know rich history and go okay. similarly. Yeah, but chess but went I, feel first. Post, I feel offended right now. That's I grew up on GTA. Also, okay. I was raised on GTA. All right, I'm also, the wrong generation. Yeah, I'd just like to point out, chess went first, John. Your cerebral game. Chess went first. Yeah, that's true. Yes. That's true. It was decades ago too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Okay, so maybe there is still a chance for AI to still beat the best human player at um, something. Twi- Twister. I still Twister. think Twister would be a good one. Yeah. Scrabble? That's too easy, isn't it? Yeah, Monopoly? Yeah, for sure. Monopoly oh, is so Monopoly dice is just, based, right? Yeah, yeah. it's too easy. There's, there's no there. skill. There's, I, mean, I mean, there is a bit of strategy. Hardly. But it is, yeah. Connect 4? That's already been done. That's just the about Sims? it. The Sims? The Sims. That would be fun. Oh. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah, a simulation beating a simulation. Could be Can't nice. win in those games. Though. Yeah, what's winning? Uh, uh. Who wants to go first with their examples of good AI? I think Dilpreet um, has some Dilpreet's positive ones. Got some positive. Uh, ones. I've got one really current one. I'm yeah. reeling from a five-hour tennis match. Oh yeah, Wimbledon. <laughs> yes. Mm. Um, Roger. Raj. My heart goes out to. You. Did Djokovic um, win? Djokovic won. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, So IBM have a partnership. They've had a partnership with Wimbledon. It's been, I think, been around for three years, like their partnership. But what they're doing this time around is using their Watson platform, which is sort of their big AI platform. Everything that they do is Watson. Yeah, Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, To create highlight packages for all the matches going around. Um, So... The problem Wimbledon has is they have 18 courts. All of them are televised. Um, Most courts have multiple angles and have three to four games on a day, especially in the first couple of rounds. Mm. So it's a real task to actually take all those games and make them into three, four-minute packages that people can watch. So IBM is using Watson to sort of completely automate that process. So the system they've created looks at reaction of the crowd to figure out what an important point might have been. So so they've got cameras pointed at the crowd that they're, or they're just using the footage that's shot by the people operating the cameras. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of the cameras are actually like robotic. Some, so, so they don't even have camera operators in some of the courts. Wait, so what are they looking at in the audience? Like emotion or are they? So this is acoustics, so sound. Okay. So they're looking at cheering gasps like signatures in the in the audio so Um, if you want to appear on tv at wimbledon just gasp a lot yeah exactly we can (laughs) we can oh this is this is bad we shouldn't (laughs) be giving this out what's finished now doesn't next year it'll be better ai that'll remove any gasps from (laughs) so they also look at players gestures and reactions so how a player reacts after a point so if they celebrate a lot, you know, fist mm. pump or something, mm. that's indication of whether the point was important or not. And also the third thing that they mentioned, I'm sure there are a bunch of other things, was how important the point was to the overall game, whether it was a break point, yeah. um, so sort of obvious stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but an important thing they mentioned was it's not as easy as that, especially with the acoustics where you could have a lot of bias. So if it was center court, Roger Federer is playing, you're just going to get a lot of cheering because people mm. love Roger Federer mm. versus court 18 and no one's really cheering at all. No one's paying attention. Yeah, exactly. So they talk about how they sort of had to normalise acoustics based on players to sort of like tune their... maybe? Yeah. They don't really divulge too much into the details. And they also talk about that they listened for when the, ra- the ball hit the racket in mm. order to figure out when to cut different shots 
Right. Um, because that wasn't purely done on, you know, just visuals. You got to figure out where to start a point and where to stop a point. So they would listen to, yeah, the ball hitting the racket as like a, as a marker of when the point finished. Hmm. All of those decisions are obviously made by people, right? So someone says, okay, here are the, the criteria that we think are important to understand. So the AI is really just detecting those events, right? Is yeah, that, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not particularly magical, I guess, in terms of how it's doing it, but it's a is an interesting application. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's it's an application that sort of wouldn't have been possible without the sort of yeah. five even years a few of years deep ago. learning. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That sounds like something that people would say is taking jobs, maybe, right? Mm. That's yeah. a lot. That would take a lot of human work, which is I don't think that is it I work mean, that humans would want. Like, if yeah, you're an editor, would you really want to sit through and edit eighteen courts worth of? Maybe not. I mean, of course, if it was putting food on your table and paying you rent, you probably mm, would. You would. Yeah. It's not the worst job. No. It's not, the it's worst not like job, one no. of the worst, you know what I mean, that AI could definitely replace. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle. Especially, as like, if I imagine how a human would do the job, they'd be at the match, potentially, and you'd just write down the points that you thought were interesting in real yeah. time, right? Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. actually... Yeah sort of sit down and re-watch the whole match. Well, well, that's just how I imagine Usually it, what right? I think what would normally go on in a big televised event like that, they have lots of people and someone's sitting around doing what's called a highlights package. Mm-hmm. And that's just a person who's put in charge. So they're basically recording everything and they start a, they set a mark point and an end point. And if they think, oh, yeah, we should put that in, yeah. they tag it. And then someone goes and sort of collates that. Yeah. And so it's kind of the AI is really doing what that person would probably mm. do. Yeah. But, but yeah, now, but now they can make like so many different highlights for like the. I'm sure they're making more highlights than they were doing before. That right? is true. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the, basically they. W- I mean, for a tennis fan, that's great. Um, otherwise, you know, you usually don't watch what's going on on the 18th court because you've always got someone playing on center court that you want to watch. So if I could go in and watch a three minute highlight package mm. versus checking okay. a scoreline of any game, yeah, that's that's a better experience for me. Well, you could just have 18 TVs. Yeah. You would. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't work. Sorry about the cricket, by the way. Oh, the cricket. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sport travesties. A lot yeah. of sport travesties happen. It's a, very, yeah, it's a sporting, I guess it's European summer, right? Or Northern Hemisphere summer. Yeah. So there's a lot of sports matches on. Okay. Well, I mean, that does seem a pretty interesting. And I know the the group at IBM who work on that, I think they, they did some earlier work with creating trailers for movies and things like that using AI, which we had a sort of mixed response. They they were mm. they looked at a lot of common tropes in the whole genre of creating a trailer these days is pretty stereotyped really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and basically, you know, that gives away half the plot or three quarters of the plot or hundred and twenty percent of the plot. Yeah, yeah. All the good bits. Yeah. You really don't actually jokes. need to see the film. No. Yeah. Um, Doesn't Netflix do this? They, oh yeah, they have trailers. Like yeah, they always yeah. play the trailers. Yeah, they so they do the automated picking of the um, uh, sort of the cover art that is automatically picked again, programmed in metrics of like they want big contrast, they want big faces, you know, like mm, sort of mm. striking yeah, shots. When show or, t- or movie doesn't have a trailer, they basically just play like clips with like this weird stock music Correct. over the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that. So, so that's really that's automated. Like in the same kind of mood that the movie, like the movie's supposed to yeah. be. Yeah, like it's pretty bad though. It well. is, but like no one would have, you know, I don't think they would have hired anyone to yeah. ever make that. 
I mean, that's Netflix's big thing, isn't it? They don't want to be the Amazon of content. They just want to have so much content there that they feel like they're going to satisfy mm. everyone and they doesn't kind of scale up in terms of human curation necessarily to be cutting trailers specifically for a particular mm. demographic, you know, because they have all Absolutely. that thing with the images where they create like five or six different images mm. per item, movie or, or series or whatever, and depending on your profile, you get shown a different image that they oh think is going to make you want to watch it yeah. more. Wow. So it makes sense that you could have an AI cutting a trailer in a way that suits you that's probably going to make you watch the movie more than wow. a human-made yeah. one might. Creepy. I was reading something with sort of a reflection on, because, you know, there's a big shake-up of, of all the st- video streaming going on at the moment and saying how Netflix is really, you know, have they made anything memorable? Uh, so they had like Roma, which is the Academy Award-winning mm. film. That was Netflix-produced. It's certainly on Netflix. I, oh. uh, I'm not sure if it was Netflix produced or not. Okay, but right. and then, but they also had what's the one with Kevin Spacey? House of Cards. House of Cards and Stranger Things has been a, you know, but that's really not a very good hit rate given the number of. But if you take mm. something like HBO, who yeah, everything a, is pretty much up there. Yeah, right. Compared to the number of Netflix produced specials, they're not really doing that that well. But anyway, they're still making a fortune. So we're veering off topic a bit. We've covered Wimbledon. We've covered Wimbledon. <laughs> I was going to shift pace now and talk about music because we did a podcast on AI music. Was podcast episode, two. Podcast two, episode yeah. two. That's right. And we looked at a whole lot of examples of kind of AI and music firsts. And I think a lot of that hype's kind of died down. So there are a few artists who came out and said, this is the first AI album or I made my album with AI. Mm-hmm. Do either of you think there's any classic AI human collaboration albums out there that are any good at the moment. Nina, you had one that you, you yeah. liked, didn't you? Who I'm not sure how popular it is. I don't think it's very popular. I think it doesn't have right. to be popular, just that you think it's interesting. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But obviously, it's it's, it's uh, the artist is Yona. Yona. The album's called C. It's just a lot of like robotic vocals, machine-generated lyrics. Yeah. And all very much about love, which is I think it's quite a nice. Like, it's nice when a machine writes about I love, know. isn't it? Yeah. Or just really machine-generated like lyrics seem to have... This is going back a bit, but when computers started doing typography, there were all these sort of bitmap fonts. And first, because they were bitmap because the screen resolution was really low and they looked kind of clunky. Yeah. But then type designers picked up on them and turned them into kind of like cool fonts. They became cool. I reckon it's the same with, mm-hmm. you know, AI text is that it gets to a certain point and it's kind of like the bitmap font, right? Mm. It's not kind of completely human, but it's something, there's something about it that has a kind of classic genre about it and it's kind of kind of become a genre or could mm. become a genre just the slight nonsensical mm. yeah sort of crazy but making sense but not yeah. quite i don't know isn't that is that what appeals to you I just think to me so, but there must be something like if i just if i believed that it was written by a human you know if i had that belief going in i probably wouldn't like like you know i think it's something about knowing that it was just generated and it didn't come from anywhere in particular mm. Something about that that I like, I don't know. The other album that I did quite like, which was apparently co-written with an AI, is um, Holly Hendren's Proto. So she's kind of a vocal, a vocalist, um, but her voice has kind of been put through all these bits of processing, so it becomes kind of almost indistinguishable as a voice, becomes more like an instrument Mm -hmm. in itself. And she did this co-collaboration with an AI that was written specifically for the project, I believe. So was it the lyrics again? 
I should have done more homework on this because all I did was read the hype about it being co-written with an AI. I think maybe some of the lyrics were. It's not that lyrical. Okay. A lot of it is just sort of like vocalisations that have been turned into sounds okay. and things. It's kind of quirky. I mean, it's probably not to everyone's taste, but it is kind of interesting mm. to see after the sort of hype of the early, you know, there was obviously the um, Flow Machines, the Beatles song, which is very, yeah. you know, targeted at being very commercial and bit but also derivative, obviously, because it was like a Beatles mm. clone, mm. that actually people are sort of looking at AI more seriously as a creative tool. Yeah, I think that's, if we're going to answer the question, like how good is AI? I think really recently a lot of like collaborations between artists and AI have been happening more. And that, I feel like that's a really nice use, you know? It's mm. kind of a realistic, it's not saying like, you know, we're, we've created a song. AI is like, just spit out, spit out this song mm. and look how amazing technology is. It's kind of like, oh, okay, like artists now have this like extra tool, which I guess is something we've talked about before, but I think that's a good kind of use of AI. Mm. Yeah, I agree. But also looking at visual art, this is where I'm more disappointed. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I Well, I mean, obviously there's lots of GAN art. So we've, you know, we've, we've already talked about this. We've done Pete GAN. We've done Pete GAN. Pig GAN. I called it a few weeks Pig ago. Gan. And I'm, I'm standing by that. But GAN's good. Well, I mean, Gan is good. I mean, Gan is they? good. Gan is good. Gan is good, really? I mean, Gan was a, good a, for a bit. <laughs> I, but I don't think it was good enough for long enough to actually be <laughs> taking it that seriously. It's good, though. But, like, good. I mean, I'm talking in terms of Gan, the technique that it can yeah. be used more than just creating. It was oh, sure. it revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was revolutionary. Not, not to art, though. <laughs> yeah, not to, not to visual art. Right. Not to visual art. So I, I'm still yet to see any visual artworks that I think are mind-blowingly amazing because he, of AI. Okay, anybody has any, Present send them, email accepted. them to John. Email uh, well, of course, I, I, just, I, mean, I, I was doing all this stuff years ago before. Yeah. Was, <laughs> so, you know. Did, uh, this is a challenge you're going to make. Modesty prevents me from <laughs> alluding any further, but. Uh, <laughs> so nothing. No, call me old-fashioned, but uh, I, I really don't think AI art has really – I mean, well, maybe it's not quite true. I think there's some people doing some really interesting stuff, and certainly, you know, we've covered them on our blog, a few of them, and there's there's certainly plenty of others. You know, there was this sort of whole thing, particularly with the obvious sale that was going to revolutionise art and everything, and it's, you know, of course that was hype. What do you think is missing from Ghana? Like, what do you – well, I think basing an art practice on a technology is probably the first mistake. Because mm. mm-hmm. if you take that away, what are you left with? Nothing. Whereas if it was actually about something, I mean, we've talked about this before. I remember you said to Pre, you know, you don't care what the paintbrush was or what tools yeah. that were used. You're interested in the art. And okay. I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not inherently bad because it's Gan art. You could like it if it had a good concept. I could, but I haven't seen any that I do. <laughs> Big calls. Okay, I'm sure there's people would disagree and um, <laughs> happy to file your arguments some other time <laughs> to save your save your stamp. Don't bother posting the letter. <laughs> save your stamp. Save That's your stamp. Awesome. Save your it's stamp. actually from a Richard Dawkins book. He said he, oh it, he was God. he said he gets lots of people writing him, telling him that he was wrong about something, and he just said save your stamp. <laughs> wow. That's underselling Dawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. The worst. That's true. Do we have any other examples? Nina, what are your favourite AI applications? You must have some in text generation, surely. Oh, obviously, um, yeah. GPT-2. GPT-2, yeah. I think that's pretty good. I in- do I do like what the, the latest text 
AIs to yeah. come out with. And it's kind of like made everything a lot easier for anybody working in that um, field because I think what was what people were doing before was just kind of like, okay, get a recurrent neural network or L- LSTM network. Yep. And that was kind of just like that was the level. But now it's like, okay, we actually have this already trained model that understands language, understands kind of like sentences, and you can you can just kind of skew it in any which direction you need. And mm. I, I don't really – it's just it's just so handy to have. Even the, the, the full model's not out. They probably will release it eventually. What happened to that? There was that, that student that who was going to release it. You didn't – did you yeah. release it? Yeah, I thought someone – Did you hear about that? Yeah, someone I think used Google's TPUs, like rented out TPUs and just like – trained it because well, it, it was like a you know anarchy kind of thing yeah, yeah. it was like yeah. i want I it to be out there i want to unleash the beast yeah. so that didn't happen so it God, wasn't released. it was like a threat he like actually made a threat and now just like oh thanks for yeah. paying attention guys i should yeah. mind double, my resume. i doubled my twitter followers Here's my res- yeah yeah google hire me yeah oh god so what do you think gpt2 needs to add so it becomes actually a good tool for writing or is it, is it there yet? I mean, I think that if we had the full model, I don't think I can't, obviously it could get better. Like to what extent could you, you know, write an entire novel or like that has a coherent narrative structure? Like mm. it's still not at the point of like where humans are, are writing, but if you can write a page or, you know, a, an entire article short that's story. coherent, short yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the GPT-2 could, the, the full model could do that. Mm. I mean, but obviously it is just another tool. The question is how, how do you use it in the sense of, if you were someone who worked with it, what would your job be? Traditionally, if you're a writer, you write, like you write short stories or mm. you write poetry or you write novels or whatever. But if you're using one of these tools, how do you use it as a tool? Like what is your role as the co-writer or the, the sort of wrangler or whatever? Mm. It depends what you're trying to do. If you're trying to use it like you are actually trying to you know, produce a bunch of fake articles, like on a large scale, it would be like an editor. Yeah, so sort of curation, I guess. Curation? Depends how you want to use it, I think. I'm just thinking about in the future if there were machines that made novels. In the current sort of system, there's editors, right, who go through and so someone submits a manuscript and the editor says, oh, make these changes or, you know, I don't like chapter three or Mm. whatever. And the author goes back and if if they're humble enough, they'll make the changes. If not, they'll go to a different publisher or whatever. But there is a kind of a role for an editor, but they're not really seen as the creative part of the equation. It's the author's work. So mm-hmm. is it, is it, does it become kind of mundane? Is it like herding cattle? Is it Because you made the comment about the editors losing their job. Yeah. So is it going to be that writers lose their job and they're going to be replaced by people who just try and pick the best fake news or the best? I don't know. I mean, also the, if, when once you have like, you know, text generation, it's not only that like you are a writer, but like all of a sudden – there is so much more to like. You have so much more content to read. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. Like it's it kind of it, and it can be used as a tool for inspiration as well. So I mean, I'm not sure. Is it somebody? This is like I'm a writer and I'm trying to produce some kind of piece of writing, mm. and I need to do it quicker or eat, like I need to. Do it. I don't know if that is really what people would be using it for. Yeah. Well, like if if you do stand up comedy and <laughs> and like if if you can train these things on current culture, right? And if yeah. if you just want riffs. Like take me in weird directions. Yeah, I think these things are pretty mm. good at taking you into like weird directions, mm. right? You don't have to use them as like complete bits, but it's just like where it leads you. Essentially, yeah, it's inspiration yeah. rather than completely replacement. Yeah. Because currently, these models are very rigid, right? Like, if yeah. you don't like chapter three, well, you're gonna have to generate the whole book. 
you yeah. can't really right. because it doesn't know about pl- <laughs> that's a machine it doesn't yeah. care so it's not just going to replace chapter three for you it's just going to go on a different story yeah so in the current state yeah it feels more like a riffing yeah. machine yeah and i don't think we've seen too much you know out right now that's like a writer actually collaborating with the gpt2 mm. that is this is like a co produced mm. piece of writing usually it's, i mean a lot of the machine generated poetry before the gpt2 was just kind of like this is what it spit out look at this one look at this poem you know mm. like this poem's all right yeah, this yeah, poem yeah. is terrible but this one is all right yeah. like that's kind of how it was but i think the collaboration side maybe hasn't been i haven't seen too much of that you know but i mean it's bad to be like oh i didn't write this this didn't come fully for it's like you know like plagiarism yeah, it came from a machine. But I guess it's like the music example that we were just talking about, right? So, you know, of course there were the first ones that said this is the first piece of music composed by AI and yeah, well, okay, you're the first. But then after that hype, people kind of actually say, well, how can I use this as a tool? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, you know, you could kind of, co- like Dilpreet was saying, you could kind of co-create with a GPT-2 text generator. So yeah. it's not completely, like, there's nothing that says you have to accept the poem. If you're making a poem, for example, assets generated, you could go yeah. back and mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, okay, there's some interesting ideas there. I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually I have a friend who is a poet mm-hmm. in his spare time, I think. and Not a professional uh, he did his PhD in, I think, creative writing. Oh, okay. That makes him professional. He's pretty, he's pretty, he's, he's definitely a writer. He gave me um, a bunch of his, but just like his backlog of all of the poems he's written that hasn't really done anything, like not, hasn't done much with. And then I was like going to train the, or I already kind of in the process of training GPT-2 on it. And just kind of, I was just thinking I would just generate him some poems and send them back to him and maybe it'll be kind of, I don't really know what will happen. Like, I'm not sure if it's going to, it'll trigger something like, oh, you know, like that is inspired me now, or maybe it'll just kind of be like funny. Maybe it'll just be like, oh, flippant kind of like. That's cool. But yeah, or yeah. like you'll recognize yourself maybe in it, but just think it's a bit like derivative of you. <laughs> so you don't really find it interesting. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it would be, be very flattering, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. so, look, someone's, someone gave me all these poems and they're sort of like you. But, sort of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll see. I don't know. Do we have any other good examples before we move on to the good? Yeah, I've, I think I just wanted to cover off a couple quickly and they're sort of on the social media platforms mm-hmm. that constantly yeah. get a lot of flack sometimes deservedly so mm-hmm. but they are trying to actively fight this sort of weird content manipulation war mm-hmm. um so i was looking first at twitter so i found out that twitter blocks completely automatically um seven million accounts a week so that's wow 12 a second if you want to count it that way um these are likely bot accounts that basically get suspended with no human intervention. And that's not to say that all of them are definitely malicious bot accounts. Some some of them could be, you know, you create an account, but you don't use it. Mm. Um, and they would think, well, that's, that's kind of weird. And they'd sort of block that. And the way they sort of do this is obviously through sort of classic measures of, first of all, trying to stop you creating the account. So, you know, captures, sending you password reset emails, but The other interesting stuff, the more machine learning side of things is they look at how humans behave on their sites versus bots. If you've trained a bot to go follow all the Roger Federer fans when they're tweeting, you know, a human would sort of, if you click on a profile, you might look at the person's tweets before following them. But a bot would simply just be going to their accounts and following them in batches. So you learnt behavior, the rate of scroll, etc. So I thought that was quite cool and it sort of puts into perspective how big the problem is. Mm. You know, it's easy to say, oh, Twitter has a bot problem. But, you know, it's, it's a pretty big <laughs> ask. Problem. So these, obviously, you know, it's still not done. Twitter still has a 
bot problem. Still has a bot problem. But does it do the reverse? Does it have false positives? Does it actually block real yeah, it's people? it blocked me. Does it block you? Yeah. What for? I think I would just I changed my password like three times in a row or something. <laughs> or I, maybe I couldn't, I forgot my password immediately after I made my I made an account and then tried to like change it. And okay. it, was, okay, <laughs> yeah, it was all like, so wrong. It was just complete human, yeah, human okay. error. The, the best <laughs> example I found, this was a person on the Twitter engineering team talking about this, was they found this person who was mimicking sheriffs for different counties, I think it was. And it was like a group of 50 that sort of followed each other and would just sort of mimic different counties and like how, what was going on. And they thought this was pure, you know, like they're just trying to get people to follow them and spread fake news. But it turns out it was basically a group of people that had picked counties from GTA and were role-playing. Nice, (laughs) nice. And it's like, well, that's... So hard for an algorithm yeah. to figure out whether that's real, you know, these guys so are the actually bots, being... Wait, the, were they bots? No, they okay. were humans. <laughs> they were humans, humans were doing role play. But they versus, Twitter thought it was bots. Yeah, the Twitter <laughs> Twitter thought it was, you know, bots trying to mimic different counties and like their sheriffs. Which, that's you know, so like weird. that's a very mm, <laughs> pretty difficult pretty, one. It is pretty hard. It's pretty demeaning to be thought of as a bot when you're just playing a game too, <laughs> Yeah, isn't exactly. Yeah. Mm. And then the other one... Just to mention quickly was Instagram rolled out last week a lot of anti-bullying measures, which are completely automated. So because there's a huge teen population on Instagram, basically, Mm -hmm. right? They're not on Facebook, they're on Instagram. There's a lot of bullying. You could say, well, you could just block the person. But the problem is if that kid goes to your high school, you block them, they know you block them. So there's an actual... There's a consequence. Consequence, yeah. Blocking, yeah. So they're doing a lot of automated detection of that. One of the features, which is kind of funny is if you write a mean comment, Instagram will detect that it's it feels like a mean comment and it will say like, do you really want to post that? It's kind of trying to be self-reflective. Yeah. In a way. So they should totally do like a block. It's like if you still feel this way in like an hour, you can post it. Because you know how you like really <laughs> oh, yeah. emotional and yeah, you want to yeah, yeah. like say, <laughs> say certain things at the time. But if you take a, if you take a, yeah. Wait a day. I don't know if that's uh, this measure is actually going to make any difference, or people are just going to take it as another step to post mean comments. You know, you just press OK. Now I want to try post a mean comment. Well, don't what, what if post. you're an art critic like our friend Jonathan Jones from The Guardian <laughs> reviewing uh, an AI art bully, show? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You don't think uh, no, no, no. art critics would work that well on Instagram because they'd be constantly being blocked? I don't know for, if they, they would. That kind of the way they. Right, I yeah. think that would be picked up by the this is the like, language they yeah. use is the way to it's, it's not not yeah. not teenager no speak yeah the, the the coolest thing I found from Instagram was how they're using AI they split bullying into seven categories um, some of these are wow. in, insults mm. shaming threats identity attacks unwanted contact betrayals Ooh, disres- sounds- and disrespect betrayal uh, betrayal. Yeah. And what they're is that? Training. Like, what is that? Like, well, well, I, what? I trusted you and you betrayed me. But what's the bullying? What's the comment that like... Did, I, like, I didn't see examples of this. betrayal. Well, and you, then, you tell someone something offline and then they... Tell somebody else? Or go and no, post you t- it. You confide in somebody offline and then they go and oh. post it on their... You know, so you betray a secret, for I example. Know, I just can't imagine how they would like, this is the... Where did they get the data exactly. to train that so on? Like, that's what they talk about. And they're not only trying to do this with text, but they're also trying to do this with photos and videos. So wow. imagine trying to detect disrespect in a photo. Like how? But they must have people going through and tagging, like looking at people's conversations and tagging them. Yeah, the way they said it worked was... 
anything that the algorithm flagged would get sent to a moderator, which would then say, so this is the early phases of training. So then the moderators would go, well, did it make a correct decision? Did it not? Yes or no. So it's not completely automated yet. Mm. It's kind of a filtering system at Mm. the moment. You know, there's that old joke about Americans don't understand irony. I think it might be true of AIs as well. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. And they talk about that. It's, oh, they do? Yeah. yeah what do they it, say? That it's just like, they're like, it's just a super difficult engineering yeah. problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. E- everything boils down to a super difficult engineering problem at the bottom level, right? Yeah. General AI is just a super difficult engineering that problem. That is true. <laughs> well, someone put it really well, actually. They were interviewing a law professor and he said that the way to figure out what would be easy and difficult for AI to sort of filter, boil down to whether it, it re- relied on extrinsic information mm. so oh, like the personal relationship that people have or something mm. anything external but you can't tell to from that. a photo exactly. itself yeah. Yeah. which is i mean it's obvious but it's also like tells you what is going to be an easy ai problem to solve versus mm. a really difficult one so mm. just seems not great but good but good not good but good yeah good in the sense of good algorithm or good, good in the not sense good of algorithm i don't think no. not yet i don't i haven't look i haven't been i haven't nothing's popped up for me so far <laughs> do you believe <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no it doesn't sound like it'd be i haven't heard anything about it i mean it did launch last week oh okay okay like literally last yet, week but i think ethically good. it's good it seems it could be good maybe i mean it's a bit policey policing a little bit the problem is that it's like a band-aid for the system. I mean, this is, there's a big problem with all, all these big social media yeah. platforms are undergoing an incredible period of scrutiny, but also they've built these incredibly large mass communication systems. And now they're sort of dealing with all of the problems that those systems have started to create. And they're putting these band-aid solutions on to try and stop things like plugging the dam with fingers. You know, as soon as something goes wrong, quick, let's stop that. Okay, mm. something else has gone wrong. Let's stop that. Mm. And but I think cyberbullying was definitely a problem before social, well, bu- social bullying media. Bullying has been a problem before computers I were I think cyberbullying is maybe a bigger problem than just bullying could be as well, though. Yeah. But it was around, it was around MSN days, like before social media. I think it's always going to be, like, I think cyberbullying definitely was always going to be a problem. And I think, you know, obviously there's, problem, there's heaps of problems with social media. Hmm. But at least Instagram is trying to address it. Twitter has a huge bullying problem, mm. but they have announced no measures to actually do anything about it. The best thing you can do is mute or block these accounts. But some of them are funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know that sounds bit, that. I know it sounds mean, but you look at the, I mean, you kind of, you, I mean, maybe it desensitizes you to it, which is probably a bad thing, but I just, you know, someone posts something and then someone just comes back with this witty one-liner that just demeans the whole thing. And you're saying, you know, that was actually quite funny. Even if it, <laughs> yeah. Funny ones. Funny ones. You get that on every tweet and at a massive, you know, you have. I don't know if that's bullying though either. But it's also that the platform itself has changed people's behavior. So if you're in a conversation, you you meet someone, you know, casually and you're having a conversation and someone puts forward a point of view, you mightn't just make some, unless you're a complete jerk. You're you're trying to one up them or just make them look stupid. But on Twitter, it makes sense because you want to get. The exactly. Likes, you yeah. Retweets. Yeah. So it's changed people's behavior. It's mm. it sanctioned or normalized yeah. things that previously we wouldn't have thought was good. Yeah. That's my that's my thought on it. So just on the good topic, you know, we we talked about the poker playing AI at the beginning, and that was a co-development between Facebook and Carnegie Mellon. Are we seeing all of the big advances in AI coming from the big tech companies like? Google, Facebook, Apple, or well, maybe not so much from Apple, Apple, but 
Google, Facebook, Amazon, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Amazon, Amazon AI. Yeah, Amazon does it. Like Uber. a research. Uber, I mean, how much are these companies actually? Their research, you have their own research teams that are developing this well, stuff. Huge. So normally you used to think of universities as being the source of research in, in computing, for example. But mm. the NeuroWips conference, which still pre, you went to last mm. year, right? That, so that sold out in eight minutes, was Yeah, it? it was something ridiculous like um, that. And a lot of the papers are all from the big tech companies. So all the major ones. I yeah. Think. Or a collaboration with Facebook and Stanford. You know, it was mm. never simply just university why yeah. do they even release it like why do these companies even release the research and go to conferences i think some researchers want that like they do want to actually publish research the researchers, yeah. obviously the researchers it's how you get the research yeah right? a lot of them came from academia too where that was the norm so they were used to publishing their research but as soon as you work for a company it's like you hand over the rights to whatever research you're doing to them well it depends how you negotiate with the yeah. position right. you've got if they really want you you can yeah. negotiate and i think also Partially, it's a kind of a power play too. It's to say we're the best. We we yeah, want to claim yeah, ownership I mean. of this first. Right. Yeah, but yeah. It's like you know why are they doing it? And then just like you know once like they're doing so much research that could be, it'd be mm. so helpful, but they're not going to release any of this. You know what I mean? Anything that undermines their their profits right. won't be released. But then they just happen to really like cool things. They'll get them some kind of like you know it's even like a publicity thing. Like okay, we made this cool thing with AI, and then like almost like advertising. Part of it is advertising because they want to attract other brilliant researchers to their group. Yeah, Yeah, and Europe did feel like sometimes like it was just a big Big industry job job fair. Yeah. So it sort of comes back to this bigger question. As you know, we're coming up to the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. And so back then there was this idea that sending a person to the moon was just something that was just a great feat for humanity to put a person on from the earth onto another planet for the first time in human history. Mm-hmm. Sort of very, you know, you could think of it as being noble, even though, of course, these days if you look online, it's all faked. But, um, <laughs> it didn't happen. But, we're, you know, so now all the brilliant minds who might have been put to that are now just working for these companies whose motivation is just to get more users or make more money. It does seem like a kind mm. of a waste of... Wasn't the moon landing also just some weird, like, proud race between all of the different well, it was it was a race no it was a race between the yeah. US and Russia to yeah. get because the Americans were worried that if the Russians got there first that you know that they'd colonize it and eventually you know it would be that they'd yeah. take it's over probably a similar thing now well but it all seems to be driven by commerce so the world faces some big problems that could be solved by AI some of them at least yeah. But why aren't people working on them why are they working on just Uber have that thing that looks at driver behavior and tries to work out if someone's driving for an, a competitor and then it tells them off for doing it. Oh, and really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's all about maximizing profits. It is. Well, that's, and it's not, yeah, it's not that they're the doing something that companies haven't always done. Exactly. That's just the model of a company. But now these companies are huge. And, and have all the researchers. Yeah. And they like. have, they can buy the researchers. So someone who was brilliant, who might've had a university career solving you know, using AI to solve a problem in world poverty or in uh, climate change or any of those things. It's mm. probably just attracted by the ability to set up a, an amazing lab with the most brilliant people, but they're still just working for Facebook or they're working for Google. Yeah. Is that good? I don't think so. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess it's easy for us to pontificate here from the comfort of our university environment. Yeah, but also, yeah. I mean, we, that's where the, like, they have the money to do the thing, to do the research. We just have to get money from, what, government? Yeah, it's also yeah. less, I feel like, money and the whole field relies on data. And universities yeah. just don't have data, yeah. right? Like, no. Google has 
everything you could possibly wish for if you were doing machine learning research. Yeah. Like yeah. what type of data do you want? And Google has it. Yeah. And universities can't compete with that at this point, right? You just, where, how are you going to substitute that? Yeah. No, um, I don't think they can. No, no, even smaller companies as well. Yeah. It's just kind of this snowballing. It's mm. not how to make a more efficient algorithm. It's like, well, to do that, I need data. So you have this cyclical issue. So people mm. just go to the companies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it all makes sense in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that someone's doing something that's somehow strange. Mm. Mm. It's just that so much power is held by a company. And, you know, look, to, to be fair to Google, but they got rid of their don't do evil thing a while back. I mean, you're seeing a kind of similar thing happening in China where there's less, you know, the, Google and all of those Silicon Valley companies were sort of founded on that American ideal of, you know, personal freedom and... Libertarian. Libertarian, yeah. a lot of Ayn Rand thrown in there too. But, you know, <laughs> so it wasn't all good, but it wasn't all bad either. There was a sort of an idealised version of reality that they they kind of operate under mm. but now that you've got other countries like China with who's investing billions and billions of yuan in uh, AI and often that's being controlled by the government to control the movement of people to um, monitor to monitor to I mean not that that doesn't happen in the West yeah too. we do that yeah I don't know is it <laughs> we're getting, getting us to one getting conclusion here again. yeah it's yeah. really depressing. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, in an ideal world, you'd have a great spread of researchers across academia. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. even just like, like even just like the, these companies taking researchers in other areas as well. And then because that's I mean, I came from physics and not that I'm going to end up in one of these companies, but like or even just a company, a company working for profit. But like all these scientists who just kind of end up in coding and then it's just there's so there's so much money in working in IT and or IT research or even just like pro, a programmer. Mm. And they're all coming from the science, the fields of science. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sort of the, you know, the brilliant minds of now, yeah. they're all being bought out to do machine learning. Whereas, you know, yeah. maybe 50 years ago, they were doing stuff like moon landings or... That kind of, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but, you know, and there's still, of course, there's still lots of people who do really amazing work, but it does seem like there's this critical mass, particularly in computer science, who have just all gone to. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the sort of the classic line of all the brilliant minds that are trying to make the best targeted ads? Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Does, oh does sort God. of, it does highlight humanity's big problem, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? All right. Uh, depressed now. Okay. okay. We, but we should, these Monday afternoons. <laughs> we should try and end on a high. Are we going to lift it up, Nina? Uh, a bit of fun. A bit of a fun segment here. Oh, that's a cue for a segment that we want to okay. introduce because apparently segments are popular segments, on podcasts. Uh, segments is what people do on podcasts. Okay. Nina, tell us about this segment. It's a pretty simple little game we're going to do now. I, might, I mean, it's... We'll see how it goes, but it could be a one-off segment. Yeah, it could be. I mean, it's a segment. It's, a, it's not really a segment. It's a segment for this particular episode. Okay, right. Because when I was doing research, I was kind of more interested in situations where companies, or like AI, was coming a, becoming a bit of a buzzword and now getting a lot of publicity. And so, certain companies were just kind of throwing that around, or like built, around, you know, using that, piggybacking off that to like you know get clients <laughs> and stuff. They want to use the term AI, but they're not actually you know have any AI researchers or any any kind of AI technology at all because mm. I read an article that I think this was from a couple of years ago but that in the EU um, there was like a survey done on AI startups 40 percent of the the AI startups didn't actually use any AI technology as we would consider like any kind of machine learning even though that was their 
yeah. what they were saying was, they were doing. The tag, like, yeah. That was the tagline. Yeah. That's quite so, awesome. <laughs> I mean, 40%. I'm surprised it was only 40%. I yeah. thought it would have been more than that. I mean, it's not really that hard to use a little bit of machine learning. <laughs> like. I mean, this is a tangent, but did you, did you guys hear when blockchain was in its... <laughs> we need a blockchain, yeah, blockchain sound effect. Blockchain sound effect. <laughs> Long Island Iced Tea added blockchain to their, to their name and their stock jumped oh, up. Oh, yes, yes. Like 300, they changed their name to something, something yeah, blockchain. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And, you know, they make iced tea. They have nothing to do with blockchain. <laughs> they were never going to use blockchain. But just adding that to their name... Yeah. Suddenly it's had a, a license great, to print money. Exactly. So Incredible. Mm. Yeah, I think we're seeing a little bit of like a weird yeah. phenomenon at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have just have... So my segment's called AI or Not. <laughs> Nice. I'll throw in a sound effect there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just, uh, you know, like AI startups, but just like I wanted to just talk about things that people assume. It's just kind of piggybacking off the whole movement. And it's like, okay, cool. This is like AI, but you kind of don't really, then you read more about it and you're like, oh, wait, no, it's, just, it, it's it, not. It's yeah. not. And, and just to clarify, AI, we're talking about all sorts of machine learning, right? It's not just well. Deep look, learning. it's a hard. It's a hard thing. That, you know, you guys have to answer the question: Do you think it's AI or not? But obviously, it's not like a black and white answer. Okay. It's not going to be a black and white answer. Okay, so okay. it's more. An, it's, it's more, more our opinion. Like, how yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, first one: Snapchat gender swap filter. Not. <laughs> I'm going to go mixed. What do you? How do you think it works? I haven't actually played with it, so this is like conjecture on conjecture. Oh my god, um, how did I not get it out for you guys? Did yeah. I not get it out for you guys? No, we did not try it out. I mean, the classic thing they could use was, would be a GAN, mm. but the photos or the screenshots I've seen of it seem too good to be a GAN. Yeah. Um, yeah. They seem, it's real time, um, it's face tracked. I think they're using AI for the face tracking bit, but I don't think they're using AI for the face construction bit yeah when you do use it you kind of all of the w girls kind of look the same like the when it's changed to a girl or a guy it kind of always looks as, like a similar kind of person yeah i think it's from what I've, i haven't used it but i've seen it mm. being used and um it seems to me like it's just it's a couple of heuristics that it's using and it's almost like a kind of stereotype like turning a man into a woman. Yeah, like bigger jaw. Yeah, so I think you're yeah. right. There's some. There's maybe some machine learning in terms of face detection, and it does. Does it get rid of beards and things? Yeah. Or does it? Yeah, it yeah, does. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. there must be something Smooths there. Smooths your skin a little bit. Smooths your skin, mm. but that's yeah. just a filter. It, it just filter. it alters the proportions of your face, which yeah. are pretty easy. You know, it's, it's pretty well known that men and women have slightly different facial proportions. So, mm -hmm. all right, good job. <laughs> Correct. Next one. Do you guys know about Sophia the robot? Yes, I do. I do. Did you say you love Sophia? I said I've heard <laughs> of I've heard Sophia. Sophia. Oh, you're quick yeah. to come back Have with that. Have you seen some interviews? She's been pretty big lately. No. Like she was on like a bunch. Oh, now of hold on. Is this Sophia cultures? the one who does the artworks? The no, painter? no. Oh. Is this just Sophia? Like she's, she's been around for a little. Oh, bit. Oh, is she the one who's got rights as a as a robot in Saudi yeah. Arabia? Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. That's okay. And she I've, just looks yes, kind. Yes, she yes. just has like a little. She like talks and moves. Her I'm going to say not already, but I don't really know her. You don't know. You yeah. don't know her. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, not any personally. specific functions? Like, does she Sophia makes talk? natural natural conversation? Yeah. I mean, we could have, we should play the clip from like I think she was on like a late night talk show with like I don't know, and it was, they were just like. It's very like public publicity kind of thing, but it's very like a natural conversation and mm, response. I'd say no conversations, no. Because like, if it, I mean, if it was, you'd be a bit worried, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised how they're doing that real time in a noisy environment. Also, just yeah. when it's you know 
They're stunts, aren't they? They're sort of media seeking stunts. She's been stunts. around for a while. Like it's, actually, I don't know. I don't really understand what her purpose is. Like what the team to get oh, really to get on talk know. shows and to. It's like I mean, there's a lot of people who make those sort of humanoid style robots, and the point of them is to make humanoid style robots. Yeah, I think it's kind of just trying to like freak people out a little bit. You know, mm. it's trying to make it as really uncanny as valley. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it turns out. I mean, Sophia definitely uses a lot of AI. So just kind of to like face tracking, emotion recognition, robotic movements generated by deep neural networks. But the entire kind of, I mean, you might, there is like components, right? Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. kind of put together all these like narrow AI like tasks, but then the actual conversations, the dialogue comes from a simple decision tree Yeah, mm. using the same tech as chatbots. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's very, I don't think we've progressed very far in from chatbots. Yeah. Like, I feel like Siri is also just... If you're after someone no, who Siri's you can have a really be. predictable conversation with, yeah. then... Yeah. 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 Siri's, like, there's going to be more to Siri, right? I mean, maybe in the understanding bit, but yeah. not in the construction of the responses bit. Yeah. Because you can't really have a conversation with Siri, right? No. It's question and answers. Then question and answers are perfect for decision trees. Yeah. Because we're not trying to, yeah, we're not trying to converse. There's no long-term... No. Mm. All right. Memory or context. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Next one. Do you guys know the company or the app Expensify? No. Nope. Both of you don't know. So basically, it's just a, an app that, like, I guess companies use for their employers who... Employees. You know, employees. Yep. That you that just use, like, their, their expenses-based, like, work expenses, basically, that they want to get mm. back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take a picture of the receipt, and then it just, like, uploads it and then transcribes it, and then, like, that it's all just kind of connected. That receipt, do you guys think that's AI or not? Could be. Yeah. Sounds like it would be. Sounds like it would be. Yeah. yeah. It, it was revealed recently, I think they admitted to it, that um, basically the whole transcription service is done on Mechanical Turk. Oh, that's <laughs> and they, so but lame. they even, they like, they. <laughs> that is so lame. <laughs> that's just lazy. It is lazy. It it's is completely it's ex- lazy. It's exploitative and lazy. Yeah, but then they, they oh like it all God. happened, and like you know, they kind of had it was like public, and they just kind of were like they stood behind that decision and kind of just like kept using it. But also, I mean, they, and they also have this thing. It's like okay, so people are actually viewing sensitive kind of yeah. information on a receipt. So they have some weird way of like, own, I don't know, they're anonymizing it, or yeah, or some kind of way like process so which it's not so bad. Also, optical character recognition <laughs> has know. been around. Forever. Yeah, but it's actually that is actually a very hard problem for it's fine for printed text, mm. but often on receipts, you know, you've got stuff like where people there's handwritten notation or it's off a thermal printer that didn't do a very good job, right. and mm. so it's actually quite hard to get it. Yeah, yeah, because I've been involved in a couple of projects that have used OCR in the last few years, and I know like looking at things like historical. Mm. Books where people have put notations in the ligatures, maybe. Yeah, all that, well, they, anything that's like a font that's printed, it's pretty easy because mm. you can train. And of course, you can train on handwritten, you know, because that's that's your sort of machine learning one hundred and one is all the like postcode numbers and that kind of thing. Yeah, but, amnist is like the the thing everyone yeah. uses. Yeah, but if you look at a lot of, sometimes they're half diagrammatic, or there's you know there's sort okay. of notation in there that's specific. It's actually quite hard yeah. to do. And also on a receipt to make sense of things that are... Just, I mean, does they just... Tra- I mean, yeah, I guess it's like you have to go back. They're just transcribing it, though. I mean, ultimately, you're just after a number, though, so... I know. So, so did they, they advertise it with AI? No. 
they they just didn't say how they did it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of assumed it's like, oh, cool, using this like cool app, like you know, uh, like it's like companies want to use that rather than giving the receipts to an actual person, right? So you, <laughs> oh, so it would take like a couple of days to scan your receipt. It takes, yeah, it takes like it takes like a hard day. <laughs> so what, like you, have to, you put it up and you're like, okay, I guess the the robot is busy. That's amazing. <laughs> I've, used, say, I've I used it slow. once. I've used it once, and it took it took like maybe half a day or a day. Okay, see, so I'd immediately know. At that, if you can't do a real time immediately, yeah, but sometimes maybe it's a queue. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I've got one Nvidia <laughs> GPU yeah. for yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. company, and it's but it's just, I just find it so. I have one more. I'll be, okay, I think the gimmick is over because <laughs> the next one is not going to be AI. Ah, oh, are you giving a spoiler story? Um, well, I mean, I couldn't just throw in no, like no. actual AI in there because <laughs> it could ruin the game. The final one is this company called. X.ai. I think that's actually their name. Oh, yes. And it must have AI email in service? it. X.ai. Sorry? Email service? It is a it's AI like a scheduling. scheduling assistant. Yes, I do you know, know the story. It is hilarious. So basically, they're just, it's just like a startup that was just like, okay, we're, you know, sign up with our services and this is AI that can, I guess you just talk to it. I'm not sure. <laughs> or you. So you CC. So it was, if I wanted to schedule a meeting with Nina, I'd put in like times and I'd just CC Nina and the AI would figure out a time that best Right, but you can also do, other, us, like right? you can do heaps of other like scheduling stuff. Like, can't you just tell it to like, is that, was it just through email? Um, uh, I remember it being through email, but mm. I heard about it. I don't know. Mm. It's basically just like, okay, this is your system that you don't have to do this stuff yeah. by yourself But do, do you have to give it a, t like when you CC the message, do you have to give it a time or does I it work out? I think it hooks out? into your Gmail. So it mm. knows when you're not busy. Because as long you've as you've got a calendar that's ref actually reflecting your... Correct. Yeah. Um, but it would try and work out based... It, I think it... Knew, well, that's not a hard problem. No, but it turns out... It turns out <laughs> the entire thing is just run by, like, people. People have access to... <laughs> People's calendars. People. It's like a job that people get. So like, it's literally like... So they're assistants. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know. They're just, like, crowdsourced assistants. I don't know. And it's like, this is literally what people were doing as their job. Like, I just couldn't believe it. But they paid a million dollars for them. How much would they have paid for x.ai? I mean, that domain. <laughs> I know. And now you go on their website and they're not. It's like they, oh, it's, they're trying to like kind of skirt around saying that it is like an AI tool. Like it's a bit like, but they're still there. It's still working. It's oh, wow. even more depressing than what we were just talking about, like Facebook and Google running all the I AI know. research. It's yeah, a really interesting it's, trend. It's like, okay, like it's, it's baffling. Well, it's not baffling because there's so much hype around AI and people, you know, because... But it's, but it's the whole point. Like there's like that one side of the coin is like, okay, AI is going to take people's jobs and like... But, but now it's, it's just the, giving the them reality, really shit jobs The reality, do. like politically, is that there is like so many people on this planet that will work for very little money... Right, yeah, and that's contract like jobs. cheaper than actually using. Mm. I having an assistant, <laughs> right? <laughs> having a, well, it's cheaper than actually getting a researcher or a programmer in who oh, will create you, right, that right, te right. like technology. Because they're all you. working for Google and Facebook. Right. Yeah, high salaries. Wow, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's sad, and then uh, it's, it's just really lying sad. also like, as a company. <laughs> I mean, so the, I mean, because it does sort of raise the question about ethics in claiming that you're an AI company or how, mm. how you actually, particularly if you're using human labor in that way, yeah. I think there should be a forced disclosure yeah. that that's how it's done. Absolutely. Because then you can make an informed ethical decision about whether you want to support that kind of 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think they like to say that it's like a bit of AI and a bit of like human intervention as well because it's not yeah, fully it's solved. Like 1% AI and yeah. 99% yeah. slave labor. It's human in the loop AI. Yeah. yeah. It's all human. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be this is the 21st century equivalent of like, you know, in the in the fashion industry about, you know, working conditions yeah. for mm. yeah. how, like, people who work so in cheap. fast fashion. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we're out of time, but good segment, Nina. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think we'll have to do that next time. <laughs> Although we might... Uh, I might have a different uh, segment completely yeah. for next time. Okay. A different yeah. Nina segment. A different yeah, Nina just, segment. <laughs> okay. I like that. All right, cool. So um, thanks for listening all the way to the end. And if you like what you hear, uh, engage with us on Twitter or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast. Are we on the podcast apps? We're on the Apple one. Yep, we're on Spotify. Yeah. We're on Spotify. So nice. yeah, subscribe to us and so you can get a regular dose of the Creative Air podcast in your inbox every so often. Whenever we, <laughs> every two weeks. Yeah, right? every two weeks. we decide every to do weeks, it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see you in two weeks time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.